Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers. Thank you for joining me tonight. If you're new to the show and want more information, please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. Our show streams Monday through Friday simultaneously on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Want to welcome and say a big thank you to all our moderators across all those five platforms. I want to say hello to all of our viewers. I see we have Colette, who's just joined us on Facebook. We've got CC Wheezy with us. On the Instagram side, we have Mayor, who's, in, uh, who's saying good morning. It is morning in a lot of parts of the world. Good morning. Uh, McKay is also with us as well. Sherry just joined us. I hope everyone is doing well. Well, uh, we've had three back-to-back-to-back days of special guest interviews. I hope you guys enjoyed each and every one of them. Uh, you know, we had Greg Brake, uh, who I do apologize for the streaming issues Monday. It was because we were doing uh, simultaneous uploading, and that's what disrupted the, uh, the the live part of the stream. It's perfectly fine and intact as the archive version. If you want to go back and miss any parts that you miss, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we had great directors and writers in Michael Nader. And then yesterday, we had William Brent Bell, whose new movie, Separation, is coming out tomorrow. So it was, it's been great. It's been exhilarating. Uh, it's also been exhausting. <laughs> uh, I love doing interviews, but when they're all like, when the interviews for the week are wrapped up, it's like someone, you know, bursts your balloon and you're like, all that tiredness and hard work that you put in preparation just just knocks you out. Anyway, uh, Colette says, great interview. Thank you, Colette. Uh, Philip is saying hello. Lisa is also with us on Facebook. So I have a guest announcement. Uh, this uh, Tuesday, coming up next Tuesday, we are going to be joined by Xander Berkeley who a lot of us know as Gregory from The Walking Dead. Uh, he, Greg is, Gregory is, I'm uh, sorry, Gregory. Xander Berkeley is a legend. Um, of course, a lot of us know him for his long stint on The Walking Dead, but he has been in so many movies that I have seen, and you guys have probably seen. Uh, Air Force One, Apollo 13, more recently, The Dark and the Wicked, where he played a very creepy priest. Uh, and the list just goes on and on and on. So we do have a confirmed date for Xander. He will be joining us uh, this coming Tuesday, May 4th at 9.30 p.m. It's going to be a fascinating hour. I encourage all you guys to tune in. He is an amazing actor. Just like Emmy just said on Facebook. I totally agree with you, Emmy. Uh, we all know Xander. Uh, I, I'll be very hard to believe that uh, any of our viewers right now are watching this and have not seen Xander Berkeley in at least one movie. Like I said, he was in the Apollo 13. He was that Secret Service agent who betrayed the president, Harrison Ford, in Air Force One. That's him. Uh, like I said, more recently, he was in The Dark and the Wicked. He had a short role, but a very vital role in the movie. 
so very excited about that. That's coming up this Tuesday. And also we have a lot more guests that we're going to be announcing in the days to come. So stay tuned to our show and also uh, go to deadtalknews.com. All announcements will be announced there as well, as well as on our website, deadtalklive.com. So uh, a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe. Love the floating love hearts on Instagram, guys. Keep those coming. Uh, Andrew Valentine is with us. Hey, Andrew. Good to see you back on the show. Uh, Alea has just joined us on Instagram as well. So today we are going to be breaking down Fear of the Walking Dead. Not this coming Sunday's episode, but last Sunday's episode. Better late than never. Uh, we have not had a chance to talk about Fear this week because of all of our special guests. So today's the first opportunity. We're going to spend some time breaking down last Sunday's Fear of the Walking Dead, which was a very, very good episode. There has not been a lot of instances uh, throughout the run of Fear of the Walking Dead with one of its most fascinating characters, and that's, of course, Daniel, uh, where we get to see him in a vulnerable state. Uh, he even mentioned this in last week's episode, his character did. Uh, the first time was when they were in Mexico and, uh, he burnt the place down. He burnt the place down. Uh, the man has like nine lives. We all thought he might've died in that fire. Of course, Strand shot him in the face. He has survived. And we actually saw in this last week's episode, the, uh, permanent damage that that bullet did to Daniel's face. That was that was the great addition that uh, you know the writers and the uh, director and the production team of Fear of the Walking Dead showed us that and uh, you know it just it it, it might have it's it's a small little detail but it just it shows you so much into Daniel's character that here he is in the apocalypse he gets shot in the face he survives that. And he builds himself dentures. I mean, talk about like post-apocalyptic MacGyver right there. That's Daniel Salazar. You gotta love Daniel Salazar. And hats off to Ruben Blades uh, for portraying Daniel. He's an amazing actor. Uh, I loved I loved last week's episode. And throughout the episode, until the very end, I'm thinking to myself when it was starting to be revealed that it was Daniel that took the guns. Uh, he was not remembering things correctly. And I also love that we saw the episode from Daniel's point of view and where he was telling uh, Grace and Charlie to go to the shed. In reality, though, he was telling them to go to the caverns. He put them in danger. He's the one who took the guns out of the shed stashed him uh in his tent uh and i love that we got to see it from his point of view uh and then it all got revealed it was the whole episode was him recounting the entire sequence of events the way he remembered them uh and then towards the end we find out that he is talking to june it was good to see june back uh 
you know, back at the new place. We don't even have a name for it yet. For now, I guess we'll call it the dam. Uh, it was good to see her back after she shot Virginia last in the previous episode. Uh, and we got to see this this friction that is amongst the the factions. Uh, Strand is not a, not a part of the group anymore. Like I mentioned in our last week's review of Fear the Walking Dead, Strand was positioning himself all along to fill the vacuum that he knew was going to be there when Virginia was dead. Um, that's a big reason why he wanted her dead. Uh, not because of what she did or what she you know, did to people, the punishment she dished out. Uh, I mean, yeah, that played a factor into him wanting her dead, but we always know Strand. Strand is uh, always looking for the best angle that is going to suit his position and increase his rank in the post-apocalyptic world. So he was he was playing the angle to take over Lawton, and he did. Uh, Victor Strand is the leader of Lawton uh, as of now. Virginia is gone, and there's your new leader. So his plan really worked out in his favor. Uh, and then you have Morgan's group at the dam. And then you have Sherry. Uh, what's going on with Sherry? I have no idea. Uh, I don't think the character herself really knows. She's still trying to figure it out. Um you know, it was all about Virginia. We know that Virginia, for her, is a surrogate for what Negan did to her back on The Walking Dead. Virginia is now dead, but she's still lost. She's still trying to find her way back to Dwight. I don't know. I don't know if those two are ever going to get back together. Um, and that sort of follows the line of uh, the Walking Dead comics. Even though this is happening on Fear the Walking Dead, Dwight and Sherry's relationship on Fear the Walking Dead is sort of following in the footsteps of the the way their characters uh, evolved in the comic books, of the Walking Dead comic books. So I have no idea about Sherry and her traveling companion. Uh, is there... A potentially a thing starting to grow between those two? I have no idea. Uh, there doesn't seem to be. We don't have any indication of that. Uh, but there was a lot of distrust. When they were meeting at that table uh, just before that dynamite went off, uh, you know, it reminded me of a scene out of The Godfather when the five feuding families are sitting together to resolve their differences. They do know they have a common threat out there. Uh, they don't trust each other. The Morgan's group doesn't trust Strand. Uh, Sherry's group doesn't trust Morgan or Strand. Strand doesn't fully trust anybody. Uh, he never really did. So it's kind of a big shit sandwich right now. So let's see what you guys have been saying. I see the chats are going off. Um, Daniel had me in tears in the end, says Khaleesi. You felt bad for him. Uh, I thought it was 
that were going to go the way of Alzheimer's, which would have really sucked. Uh, because it's not only is that a horrible disease that's incurable in modern civilization, but just imagine, you know, finding out you have Alzheimer's in the zombie apocalypse and you're slowly going to forget who you are, what the dead are, that they are a danger to you or any of that. So I'm glad that wasn't the case. And uh, June basically said it doesn't seem to be physical. It seems to be psychological. And the kind of life that Daniel has lived, uh, we got to hear his story, uh, why he came to Los Angeles so he can give his daughter a better life. But he also admitted to June and himself that the life that he had with his daughter was a lie. He was trying to, you know, pretend uh, that his past did not exist. Make his daughter think that he was, you know, the greatest person on earth, never revealing to her all the horrible things that he did. So uh, it was a great episode all the way around. We got a really great insight. We saw the most vulnerable moments in Daniel that we have seen to date. Uh, the second most would be, like I said, when he sent that uh, uh, that compound up on fire, when he set it ablaze back in Mexico. So let's see what else you guys are saying here. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, Daniel does at Lawton with Strand, says Lisa on Facebook. That is going to be interesting. Uh, and you got to give Strand credit. Uh when he took in Daniel and offered him back to a place to stay at Lawton, there's nothing in it for Strand. Uh, he's doing it. I think he does care about Daniel. I really, they've been together for a long time. And there is bad b blood between them. Daniel was getting ready to shoot Strand. Make no mistake about it. He uh, even admitted so at the end. He would have shot him if the, if the gunfire didn't start going off. Uh, so Strand offering him a place to go was a good move. It was a good move. How is he going to do at Lawton? I think he's going to go there and pretty much confine himself. He's not going to mix with anybody. He's not going to socially interact very much. Uh, but I think he uh, he's going to play a major role moving forward with the still unknown threat of the spray can people. Still have no idea. Uh, now that Virginia is dead, the entire focus on all the factions, Sherry's group, Morgan, Strand, they know that that's why they were meeting in the first place. They're trying to figure out who these people are, what kind of threat are they to them, and... They have no idea what they're dealing with. Uh, I like the fact that they had Dakota in this episode. She is not in jail. She's not locked up anymore. Uh, she's not on the best of terms with everybody there either. Uh, to me, it's kind of surprising that Strand would not take Dakota out of there and bring her back to Lawton. I think she would be... Well, maybe she wouldn't be. I was going to say maybe she would be more accepted at Lawton 
but all the people that remain at Lawton who absolutely hated Virginia, she might be in more danger over there just because uh, they still think that's Virginia's sister and finding out that that's her daughter won't do her any, you know, won't be a big help either. So I like the fact that Dakota was in this episode. She did play a part. She gave them that clue at the end of the movie, at the end of the at the end of the episode, that sort of gave them a starting place on where to start trying to find information on who these people are. So there's a lot to unfold over uh, these remaining episodes in season six. Todd on Instagram writes, we think Daniel got brainwashed by uh, Virginia. Well, no, I mean, that whole losing the memory thing, uh, we know that was just a trick. And I don't think a lot of us really had much doubts that he was playing uh, a trick to uh, make him not, well, to save his life. If uh, he had not changed his ways, I have very little doubt that Virginia would, would have, you know, she would have killed him. She would have killed him. So not only did, it do, did he do it to save his own skin, but it was also a way for him to help Morgan out as well. So Daniel is a very complex character. He's a one that has a very interesting past. He has done some horrible things. And we've known that ever since season one of Fear the Walking Dead. So, and he got Skidmark back. That's right, Khaleesi. I thought Skidmark was gone. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know if this actually happened, but I remember uh, Virginia maybe taunting him in a way, telling him that she killed the cat. But nope. Not to be worried, Skidmark is very much alive and well uh, and on uh, her way back to Lawton with Daniel. So, you know what they say about pet therapy. Uh, it could be Skidmark that brings Daniel back to us. Uh, Philip is going to bed. He's got school tomorrow. Good night, Philip. Thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, Colette writes that he has a lot of secrets. Yeah. Yeah, we do not know everything that uh, there is to know about Daniel. And that brings me to an interesting idea. We all know that we're getting this spinoff after The Walking Dead Mother Show ends. And, it's, you know, I'm talking about Tales of the Walking Dead, which where each episode is going to be its own story. That is not going to be restricted just to The Walking Dead, the main show. It's going to span the whole universe and I would love for them, uh, even while Fear the Walking Dead is airing, for them to do one or more episodes to give us uh, Daniel's time before he went to Los Angeles. I would love to see that. Just to see how ruthless he was. Uh, he was a killer. He was a, you know, he was an executioner. He would, he would torture people. He was not a nice person. And... Supposedly, the birth of his daughter, Ophelia, is the motivation he needed to start redeeming himself. And if you paid attention in last week's episode, he is still trying to find a way to redemption himself. Uh, so, I'm just looking over some of the chats. 
Uh, we want to welcome all the new people who have joined us on Instagram. Uh, let's see. Wait, where did I go? Somebody. Uh, Matthew is asking someone if they are single. It's good to see you guys mingling. It's always good to mingle on the show. Zoe has joined us on Twitter saying, I love Daniel's character. And Ruben Blades does an amazing job portraying him. He definitely, definitely does. So let's see what the uh, headlines had to say about last week's episode. Uh, Titled Handle with Care. If there's one consistent failing of The Walking Dead sixth season, it's the show's original cast of characters have been sidelined in favor of newer arrivals like Morgan, John, Al, June, etc. While all these new characters have featured in some of the show's best episodes to date, that doesn't mean fear stalwarts like Alicia, Strand, and Daniel have no good stories left to tell. Indeed, what works so well about this week's Handle with Care is that it puts everyone's favorite barber front and center as he tries to uncover a possible traitor within the community's walls. Amidst the growing distrust and paranoia, Handle with Care reminds us that old wounds often run very, very deep. And as we know, Daniel carries scars both seen and unseen. Throw him together with uh, frenemy Victor Strand and fear ably delivers a story with enough dread to spare. Maybe it's just me, but after watching six seasons of Fear, seeing the episode's opening shots of Morgan, Agrarian Utopia, immediately sent up all kinds of red flags. Because as any fan of the Walking Dead universe knows, peace always comes at a price. Morgan knows this too, which is why He's brought together Lawton and the Outcasts, I guess that's what we're calling them, the Outcasts, for a peaceful summit to find a way to take on the Enders together. Now, the Enders? I'm not too hot about that name. Who came up with that? The Enders. Uh, Anyway, both groups need to follow Morgan's house rules, though, namely locking up their weapons before entering the settlement. By Morgan's logic, without ready access to firearms, there is less temptation to use them. Leading an existence devoid of bloodshed is an admirable goal with so much lingering resentment among the groups. Though Morgan has his work cut out for him, we know he is up for the task, of course, which is why it's crucial for fear to remove him quickly from the equation. They mean just for the episode. That he needs to retrieve a fetal monitor for Grace is immaterial, though it's a little odd such things are readily readily accessible in the zombie apocalypse, but we'll overlook that for now. Because once Morgan leaves Daniel in charge, everything goes to hell. But wait, you might ask, doesn't this episode open with Daniel in jail? It does. This circular narrative is an interesting choice given that Daniel himself 
turns out to be such an unreliable narrator. Uh, this thing jumped on me. The screen is jumping all over the place. Over the course of the hour, Reuben Blades takes us on Daniel's unlikely but very believable journey from righteous accuser to the accused. And what a journey it is. Thanks to Blades' emotional performance, Coleman Domingo easily stands toe-to-toe with him, making Strand's anger and frustration just as believable. While both characters have come a long way together and apart, their shared history is one filled with repeated lies and betrayal. After all, Strand did try to kill Daniel back in Season 3's finale, and Daniel has carried the burden of that painful memory and even more painful recovery for years. The way Daniel calmly enumerates the way his jaw never fully healed is chilling. We expect him to pull the trigger to finally succumb to the vengeance clouding his heart. Indeed, he very nearly does. Things take an unexpected turn when Daniel comes under intense scrutiny for insisting he told Grace and Charlie to hide in a remote fishing shack. Their testimony and Daniel's own markings on the map suggest otherwise, though. To compound everyone's confusion, it turns out that it was actually Daniel himself who stole the weapons from lockup, hid them in his own locked storage shed. Considering his feigned memory loss earlier in the season, it's difficult to know when Daniel is telling the truth or when he's acting. Morgan is willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he wants to be sure. So even Morgan, we even saw this as June was leaving the jail. Morgan asks her, could he be faking it? And uh, she's like, no, not really. Now that brings us to June, who hasn't been back inside the settlement since killing Virginia. Handle with Care finds June stepping into the role of Daniel's therapist. She's not just healing bodies, she's healing minds. But Daniel believes he deserves to be behind bars. After all, he was a monster in his former life. It's a small comfort that June believes his confusion and remorse are legitimate. Still, if Daniel moved the weapons, is he also responsible for the explosion? We never got an answer to that one. After all, he did let those walkers into the settlement. What else is he capable of doing? Daniel realizes he has become a danger, not just to his friends, but also to the future success of the settlement itself. Blades delivers a brilliant performance in this scene as well. Once once a ruthless survivor, Daniel is now broken and vulnerable. Maybe this is why Strand invites Daniel to stay at Lawton, or maybe Strand believes the old maxim about keeping friends close and enemies closer. Whatever the case may be, I'm glad Fear is giving these original characters their due. As much as I love newer arrivals like Morgan, it's good to acknowledge the characters 
and their many defining imperfections, that God is here in the first place. Very nicely said. Very nicely said. Uh, let's see. Uh, Khaleesi writes, it's the best therapy. Uh, that would be awesome. I think he was uh, kind of a sass, writes Colette. Zell on Twitter writes, I love Daniel's character. And, uh, of course, uh, Ruben does an amazing job. Uh, Emmy writes, wish Morgan will be back on The Walking Dead. Well, according to Lenny James himself, he, he's not going back. Uh, that is not going to happen. He has also said that he would love to work again with Andrew Lincoln. So we might see Rick Grimes and Morgan back together again, maybe in the movies. But as far as uh, Lenny James, who plays Morgan, going back to The Walking Dead, Lenny James himself has pretty much squashed that as happening. It's not going to happen. Uh, so let's see. Let's see what other people have to say. Fear the Walking Dead. Daniel isn't sure whom to trust, including himself. If you're a fan of the early seasons of Fear the Walking Dead, Handle with Care will feel the closest this show has come to the era of Madison, Travis, Nick, and Ophelia in a very long time. That's not only because it centers around one of the original characters, Daniel Salazar, but also because it brings him back to his usual badass personality with a tragic twist. The episode sees everyone struggling to work together to figure out how to fight back against the spray painting group, uh, who are apparently a huge looming threat. Now, the other article called them the Enders. I, I really don't like that name. Uh, Strand, White, Sherry, and Sarah, among others, form a council of sorts, while Morgan goes to find a monitor to make sure Grace and her baby are okay. While Morgan's away, the baddies strike and Daniel makes his mission, makes it his mission to determine who inside the walls is working with them. But there's more than meets the eye on the ongoings of the settlement, and Daniel might not be able to trust those around him or his own mind. Um, after Morgan leaves, people from Strand's group and Lawton, Sherry's group and Sarah's group all assemble and hand over their weapons before meeting to discuss the threat. No one particularly likes each other, but there is a tenuous peace as they attempt to get to the bottom of things. Why would there not be a peace amongst them? I mean, really, uh, they all wanted to defeat Virginia. They went about it their own way. They lied and deceived each other. Sure. Okay. They were not really organized to begin with. I just feel like we missed a step. And why there's this such animosity between Morgan, you know, Morgan's group, uh, Sherry's group, and what was Strand, I could sort of understand. But I just, I, I feel like we missed, like there were some cut scenes that explains how they each hurt each other in a way where they can't come together peacefully. And then the peace literally blows up around them 
as an explosion goes off at the edge of the community and Daniel discovers the weapons he confiscated earlier are missing, all of which leads him to suspect there's a traitor in their midst. Given their less than pleasant history, it's no surprise Daniel would accuse Strand, but it's not like Strand doesn't give him a reason. When everyone was ordered to turn over their guns, he kept his, which he uses to take down several walkers that entered the community after the explosion. Daniel reveals that he let the walkers in so that he could discern who the traitor was, and now he knows. He locks Strand up and threatens to shoot him in the face the way Strand once shot him resulting in those horrible injuries. But before he can pull the trigger, Morgan shows up and saves everyone from the walkers. That's where, that's where things got really interesting. Earlier, Daniel had sent Charlie, played by Alexa Neesonson, and Grace away from the community to a cabin where they would be safe, except Morgan goes to the cabin and doesn't find them there. Instead, they're waiting on the outskirts of the caverns, which had previously been overrun by walkers. Because uh, they say that's where Daniel told them to go. And they can prove it. They show him a map where he circled the caverns. And that's not all. Eventually, the missing guns are found in Daniel's quarters. The whole episode is framed by narration from Daniel as he explains his version of the events, and towards the end of the installment, it's revealed that he has been talking to June the entire time. She has him repeat a series of words she told him to remember at the beginning of the episode. And as she draws him a clock, uh, sorry, as she has him draw a clock, and he does each perfectly, this leads her to believe the issue is not neurological, but psychological. Why is this happening to me now, Daniel asks. Certainly a valid question, and June does not have a solid answer. Uh, one only theories, she says she is going to learn more about it. In the meantime, though, Daniel doesn't want to remain at Morgan's settlement. The last time these things happened in my mind... I set a whole place on fire, he tells Morgan and Charlie, who catch him attempting to leave on horseback. That's a reference to Celia's place in season two and how he burned it down after having hallucinations of his dead wife. He says he's going to go back to the warehouse where he was living before, but Strand interrupts and invites him to come to Lawton. Strand is visibly irked when Morgan asks him if his invitation is genuine, which is fair because it must get tiring having people always assume the worst of you. But in the end, Morgan lets Daniel go and he rides off to Strand to Lawton with Strand. Uh, Khaleesi writes, it all comes down to trust. Zoe says that's true. These episodes are reminiscent of the early episodes. Uh, Zoe goes on to say, I miss Madison. I miss Madison as well. I love Kim Dickens on Fear of the Walking Dead. Um, so, uh, let's see. Khaleesi also writes, I loved how he wants Charlie 
to have a life that he could not give his daughter. Charlie and Daniel bonded right away. In fact, uh, that's a repeating pattern with Charlie. She bonds with father figure men in her life. Uh, she did it the same with Rabbi Jacob, uh, who's still on the show, you know, Peter Jacobson. And it was the same with between her and Daniel since uh, she was sent in to, Jan to, to Daniel's place to find out the, uh, the parts of his airplane so Strand could steal the airplane, get across the mountain, and bring Morgan and his people back before that nuclear power plant blew up. Uh, Colette writes that I miss Nick. Yes, Frank Delane was awesome. But the reason why Nick left is because, uh, well, from what we read, Frank Delane wanted off the show. So anyway, guys, I'm going to make tonight's episode an abbreviated one. Uh, it's, it's been a exhilarating, exciting, but tiring week. Um, I will be back tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to be going back to talking about various horror topics tomorrow and going over the horror news. We have not done news since last Friday, so there's going to be a bunch of stuff to cover tomorrow night. So please tune in for that. Uh, visit us at deadtalklive.com. See all of our upcoming guests, see our featured episodes, recent episodes, and all our social media links. This show is live streamed, like I said, Monday through Friday to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. We would love for you to be a part of our live audience. You can tune in any night, Monday through Friday, on any of those networks. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. And until tomorrow night, guys, stay safe and always stay walking. Good night.